Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Well, it's already Friday, and that means it's FOMO Friday. Yes, we love to bring you the uh, the current events of the day, the, the stories of the day, uh, particularly if you're not listening to propaganda media, because we don't want you to have that fear of missing out, that FOMO. And so we bring you these stories that you may or may not have heard, and we, uh, we comment on them a little bit, and we make sure that you're up to date on what's happening. And from a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes our first story, and it's from former vice president and presidential candidate Mike Pence. Now, speaking at a New Hampshire town hall, former vice president Mike Pence called for the Republican Party to stop adopting populist policies and return to the kind of conservatism that former President Ronald Reagan espoused and typified the Republican Party. Quote, within the Republican Party, I think we have a choice to make, and that is whether or not we are going to offer the American people a candidate and a standard bearer that will carry forward the common sense conservative agenda of a strong national defense, American leadership in the world, fiscal responsibility, and pro-growth policies, and commitment to traditional values and liberty and life, or whether or not we'll follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles. This is what Pence declared here. He said, frankly, my former running mate and other candidates for the Republican nomination are beginning to move away from the conservative agenda, abandoning American leadership on the world stage, being willing to ignore the debt crisis that's facing the this future generations of Americans. And he continued, um, you know, with with much along this same theme. And in the in the eight years of the Obama presidency, the national debt increased eight point six trillion dollars. In the in the four years of the Trump presidency, the debt increased six point seven trillion. And between President Biden's inauguration and April of this year, the national debt has increased roughly $3.5 trillion. So Pence said, he says, and of course, there, there are those who want to marginalize the cause of life to simply being a state's only issue. But for me, all of those issues have been central to this movement. Noting that that he had been a Democrat when he was young, Pence said that that it was the voice of our 40th president, Ronald Reagan. It was the same common sense principles that drew me to the Republican Party and, more importantly, haven't just delivered victories for the GOP, but they've actually delivered real prosperity and real security for the American people. He says, we've come to a Republican time for choosing, and we're going to choose whether our party is going to stay on that time-honored tradition of conservative principles or whether we're going to slide in the direction of populism and be more like an echo, frankly, of the policies of the other party, he said. You know, Pence here is is making some great points. he's, he's He's not going anywhere in the primaries. But you really can't argue with what he's saying. 
the Republican Party has made strong, you know, was made strong when when Ronald Reagan was president. And he, he stood for conservatism and, and strong Christian values, did Reagan. His predecessors, you know, the Bushes, were not conservative. They, they were definitely moderates. And, of course, then came Donald Trump. He's, he's not a conservative or a moderate, either one. He is a populist. You may ask, what is a populist? Well, it's not an ideologue or someone who, who stands for a certain set of values. A populist is someone that looks at what is popular and makes that his his policy stance. And despite what the propaganda media will tell you, American Americans and, and, and America is still predominantly conservative. And this is why Trump supports the things that he supports. But many of these things aren't conservative. But not everything and... and and what Mike Pence is saying here is that that voters have a choice to elect a conservative or a populist. And they really are two different distinct things. Now, one of the things that came down this week was another sentencing of someone for their role on January 6th. Former Proud Boys chairman Enrique Tario was sentenced Tuesday to 22 years behind bars in connection with the breach at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021. The sentence marks the longest to date in the Department of Justice's handling of January 6th. Natario, he's actually a son of Cuban Cuban immigrants, uh, was found guilty of seditious conspiracy by a federal jury in Washington, D.C. back in May, and then sentenced by Judge Timothy Kelly, the, 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 and uh, just just this week, the former Proud Boy was facing 33 years behind bars. "Quote: I am not a political zealot. Inflicting harm or changing the results of the election was not my goal." Tario said that, at, at sentencing that that he he said, "Please show me mercy. I ask that you take that you not take my 40s." away from me. Now, Tario was notably not even in D.C. on the day of the Capitol breach. Prosecutors instead argued that Tario was a leader and not a foot soldier, calling him, quote, intelligent, charming, creative, and articulate, and claiming that he used those talents to inflame and radicalize an untold number of followers. So, so basically, he got sentenced to 22 years for being intelligent, charming, creative, and articulate. The government, <laughs> the government relied heavily on private communication from J6 uh, defendants sorting through hundreds of thousands of messages to try to make the case that Tario and others were guilty of this rare seditious conspiracy charge. The seditious conspiracy law was actually enacted after the Civil War to arrest Southerners who might keep fighting the, the U.S. government, according to the Associated Press. It's, it's, it's extremely rare in its application and hard to prove, of course, though it's been used by the DOJ about a dozen times in connection with the Capitol Beach rather than, than uh, and, and really they've done it rather successfully. 
In one message used by the prosecution, Tario said, make no mistake, we did this. The government also highlighted a, a document outlining a capital takeover that was sent to Tario on social media uh, platform Telegram called 1776 Returns. Now, Tario did not directly respond to the sent document and, and, he, and claims that he never even saw it, let alone open it. Defense lawyers uh, maintained throughout the trial that there was not a single shred of written evidence to show that Tario conspired to stop the certification of the 2020 election. Now, while the trial was ongoing, Tario said from his from, from inside a, a, a jail cell that the government was um, they were trying to impede on his free speech rights. Quote: What they're trying to do, what people are trying to do, and this is in general. I'm speaking in general is manipulate how we talk to each other in the locker room. This is uh, what Tario said in, in, a, in a Twitter um, uh, space that uh, it was an event hosted on, on April 25th. He said, quote, and it's not fair. It's just not right. It's not the justice system that you, that you grew up in civics class learning about. Now, two other Proud Boy members, Joe Biggs and Ethan uh, Nordine, have also been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Judge Kelly sentenced Biggs to 17 years behind bars, and Nordine was hit with 18 years. Uh, another proud boy, Zachary Reel, uh, was also convicted of, conspiracy, uh, uh, of seditious conspiracy and was given 15 years prison sentence by Judge Kelly. And moreover, two oath keepers who have been convicted of the same thing, seditious conspiracy. Uh, Stuart Rhodes uh, has been sentenced to 18 years and Kelly Meggs to 12 years. Now, overall, more than 1,100 people have been charged in connection to the Capitol breach and hundreds have already been sentenced to prison time. You know, it's interesting to me that, that Tario was not even in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, but he gets 22 years in prison anyway. There was no evidence that he tried to overturn the election, no evidence that he conducted an insurrection. In fact, no one has even been charged with insurrection. But Torrio gets 22 years? Well, well, then we then we take a look at the flip side of the DOJ. Special counsel David Weiss uh, said in a, a new court filing this week that President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, will be indicted this month. Quote, the Speedy Trial Act requires that the government obtain uh, the return of an indictment by a grand jury by Friday, September 29th of 2023 at the earliest. Weiss uh, said in, in, in a filing that the government intends to seek the return of an indictment in this case before that date. Now, while the exact charges were not revealed in the court filing, CNN reported that they are gun-related charges. Additional charges related to Hunter Biden's tax or foreign business dealings, which have been part of the criminal investigation into him, could be included or come at a later date. Now, 
Weiss, before he was appointed as special counsel in the case, was originally willing to forego any prosecution of Hunter Biden and was close to uh, agreeing to end the investigation without requiring a guilty plea on any charges. This according to the New York Times. But Weiss' position, position on the matter reportedly changed right around the time that two IRS agents came forward as whistle, whistleblowers and alleged that they had been stymied from pushing the probe further due to the pressure from higher ups <laughs> at the Department of Justice. Uh, after the uh, two whistleblowers came forward, well, Weiss uh, demanded that Hunter Biden plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax crimes and enter a deferred prosecution agreement on the gun charge. Again, just simply a slap on the wrist. And Chris Clark, a lawyer for uh, Hunter Biden, threatened prosecutors investing, uh, investigating his client that if his client was charged in the case, the defendant would call President Joe Biden to testify, <laughs> oh, this, thus creating a constitutional crisis by pitting the president against his own Department of Justice, according to Politico. Quote, President Biden now unquestionably would be a fact witness for the defense in any criminal trial, Clark said in a lengthy letter to the prosecutors. Now, if you remember, the Biden administration appointed David Weiss as special counsel to investigate David Weiss and David Weiss's corruption in the matter. David Weiss was going to slap Hunter on the wrist and then give him immunity for anything that he had ever done to this point in his life. And of course that fell apart because Trump, uh, the Trump appointed judge called him out. And speaking of the Biden administration, the Biden administration announced on Wednesday that it would be canceling oil and gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Preserve and move a ban drilling in Alaska's National Petroleum Reserve. The announcement from the Department of the Interior means that that seven leases for drilling even during the Trump administration will be rescinded and that 13 million acres of the National Petroleum Reserve will be off limits for drilling in the um, proposed rule, uh, if, uh, if the proposed rule is, is approved. The leases were held by the Alaskan Industrial Development and Export Authority, or the AIDEA, and uh, encompassed 365,775 acres. Quote, Alaska is home to many of America's most breathtaking natural wonders and culturally significant areas. As the climate crisis warms the Arctic more than twice as fast as the rest of the world, we have responsibility to protect this treasured region for all ages. This is President Joe Biden in a statement that I'm sure he didn't write. Uh, the announcement was uh, opposed by top Alaskan officials, including Governor Mike Dunleavy and Republican Senator Dan Sullivan. Quote, today, the Biden administration announced that it has canceled legal issued oil and gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge uh, sec section uh, designated for oil and gas development. The leases I AIDEA holds in Anwar were properly acquired in sale mandated by Congress. This is what Dunleavy posted on X. Quote, it's clear that President Biden needs a refresher on the Constitution's separation of powers doctrine. 
federal agencies don't get to rewrite laws. And that is exactly what the Department of the Interior is trying to do here. Now, the governor added that Alaska would turn to the courts to challenge the Biden administration's moves to cut down the oil production. And Sullivan said Biden's actions endangered the energy security of the U.S. Well, yeah, it does. Quote, this war on Alaska is devastating for only not only Alaska, but also for energy security of the nation. This unlawful cancellation of leases brings us to 55 executive orders and actions specifically targeting Alaska since President Biden assumed office, Sullivan said. Secretary of Interior Deb Hanlon said that the decision was made to protect the environment. Quote, with climate change warming, the Atlantic more than twice as fast as the rest of the planet. See, I told you Biden didn't write that other one. We must do everything within our control to meet the highest standards of care to protect this fragile ecosystem, Hanlon said in a statement. President Biden is delivering on the most ambitious climate and conservation agency in history. And the steps we are taking today further the commitment based on the best available science he had to throw in science and in recognition of the indigenous yep indigenous knowledge of the original standards of this area to safeguard our public lands for future generations it's for the children i just added that last part but but in other words they're saying by doing this we can drive the price of gas way up even further than it already is and get those nasty people out of those nasty cars Yeah, despite the fact that Biden canceled the Keystone XL pipeline expansion and aggressively pushed green energy, climate activists still, they are still angry at Biden after he allowed the Willow Oil Project in Alaska's North Slope to go forward, which could end up yielding 180,000 gallons of oil per day. Now, the decision to end the leases and block drilling comes as gas prices, of course, across the country remain really high. In fact, here in the state of Washington, where this podcast originates, they're over $5 a gallon. And this this may be one of the reasons that Washington actually has made our next list. <laughs> this is kind of interesting, if you ask me. Um, this, is, this comes from Forbes.com. And it says, it's not a surprise that people are moving long distances uh, more than ever. Events over the the past couple years, many of them a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, have created new challenges and opportunities. Much of the population decided to move away from familiarity or uh, have um, have taken the opportunity to to pursue new avenues. Even increased uh, prices among the, the best moving companies have done little to slow the migration. And according to uh, address change request data from the U.S. uh, Postal Service, permanent address change requests jumped 3.3% to over 10.2 million between 2019 and 2020. And with 2021, they saw a similar result with only just a slight drop in the volume uh, in in over 2020. So... So here's here's the top 10 states that people are fleeing. 
So if you want to know who's who's moving out of the states and they're they're not looking back, here's the number one state. Yeah, I know you already guessed it. It's California. California, uh, 2021 saw a, a net loss of over 101,000 households in California. Now that's despite a mostly pleasant climate and a robust tech uh, industry and things like that, uh, rising house housing costs and rising taxes uh, and politics seem to be the drive, uh, the, the driver for many people to look for opportunities elsewhere. Uh, other factors uh, that immigrants have cited are the rising threat of wildfires and the constantly increasing cost of living. Many families from the, from the state are relocating to Texas, believe it or not. But number two on the list, New York. Yes, the other big populous state. Uh, moving out of New York has actually become a trendy thing to do, it would seem. The skyrocketing cost of living and ever-increasing local, state, and federal taxes are driving factors. Many technology and banking industry workers that had spent a great deal of time in the office have found that you know, working remotely due to the pandemic better suits their desires and allows them to to leave the city and perhaps live closer to extended family members or whatnot. Uh, New York saw a net loss of over 75,000 families just last year. And number three on this list comes uh, by the way of IllinoisPolicy.org. They cited policies uh, and opportunities for uh, employment and better housing as the leading cause of the population decline in Illinois. Nearly half of would-be movers also said that the tax rate is a major factor in the reasons for leaving about 29,000 outbound moves weren't reciprocated in 2021. Weather and high traffic levels and crime of course, crime only make the declining population problem worse for the state. So if you notice, number one, number two, and number three of the states that people are moving out of, how's uh, big cities? California, of course, L.A., San Francisco, places like that. New York, of course, New York, Illinois, Chicago. I mean, come on. Number four. Yeah, another one. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania declined. Um, their decline of 18,000 plus households recently uh, directly result uh, results from job losses resulting from the pandemic, they claim. The state's uh, sometimes sketchy weather doesn't help either. But again, these are these are all factors that, that, that have applied to everybody and, and, and these states all the time. Many families are seeking better employment odds in, in nearby uh, states while a and a considerable number of them are taking the opportunity to head to warmer weather and a lower cost of living. Number five, Massachusetts. Yep, there's another one, right? Boston. Several publications list retirement and work motives as the reason behind Massachusetts population decline. The state recognized a, a net loss of 15,489 households last year. Recent history. Uh, shows strong GDP growth and a robust, robust, there we go, economy. Yet similar to its uh, neighboring states, the recent push toward remote work allows families to leave high-density populated areas and choose more suburban lifestyles beyond the state's borders. 
And here's the one I was referring to. Washington came in number six. The state of Washington on the other coast, former uh, Washington residents are finding a refuge from the state's skyrocketing cost of living in places like Oregon and Idaho. Uh, Oregon's cost of living is 7% cheaper, while Idaho boasts the lowest cost of living among the Western states. With the ever-deepening housing crisis and the ability for many many to work from home, it's no wonder the Evergreen State experienced a loss of 13,000 families last year. And Governor Inslee certainly has had a hand in that as well. Number seven, Colorado. Once considered a swing state, Colorado's uh, uh, politics have shifted towards the left in recent years and conservatives leaving the state of texas and uh and arizona are uh for texas and arizona are on the move overall 12,145 families left colorado last year and the politics was just one factor the high cost of living and the uh, out of reach real estate prices continue to drive what would would be uh, home buyers out of the area while traffic uh, congestion increasing crime rates and Population sealed uh, sealed the deal for many deciding to leave. Indiana is another one. Indiana's overall population loss uh, was, uh, uh, was nearly 12,000 families last year as, re- as a result of uh, lower than average prices. Despite the state's low cost of living, Indiana's na- neighboring states pay better. Those looking for substantial pay increases are looking elsewhere. Another factor in the decline was the state's taxing of retirement income. Wow. Retired people on a fixed income may see better options outside Indiana. Yeah, I bet. Number nine, Michigan, divided almost exactly into thirds. Families leaving Michigan cited retirement, family, and employment opportunities as their reason for leaving the state. Despite the nationwide worker shortage, young families in the state still feel like uh, like better working conditions exist across state lines. Um how about Wisconsin, number 10? That's uh, that's the last one we, we see here. Uh, 10,000 more families left Wisconsin last year than moved in. And we see, you know, uh, we see a common thread here uh, because if you look at the 10 states, what are the t- what, what's the one common thread? Well, they're run by Democrats. <laughs> and then we take a look at this other list, the states, 10 states of people uh, that the people are moving to. Well, number one, we kind of alluded to earlier, it's Texas. Number one, Texas. According to the USPS, Texas gained 12,700 residents over 2021. Part of the influx is due to the state's conservative politics, uh, which is, is inviting uh, people from, from nearby liberal states, of course. Uh, low taxes, uh, a robust economy, a low cost of living, and an and excellent weather year-round, uh, of course, uh, make Texas a really popular de- de- destination. And similarly, Florida, number two, an admittedly non-scientific survey conducted by the Tampa Bay Times told of taxes, affordable housing, sunshine, and relaxed COVID restrictions being the leading causes of Florida's influx of residents. Sandy beaches and, of course, the weather, but th- those are always there, right? Governor Ron DeSantis has shown real leadership here, and that is a very attractive thing. Uh, number three and number four are very similar. South Carolina and North Carolina. Yeah, that whole area right there uh, came in at three and four with uh, South Carolina first. Uh, re- of course, 
um, you know, reasons are, are similar to, to Florida's population increase with the addition of people in, in search of green spaces as the drivers uh, for um, people moving to South Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, many sources describe the reasons for North Carolina uh, and their re- recent inflow of residents as being work, family, and weather-related. But they're, they're also, um, North Carolina is kind of a, a place that attracts outdoor enthusiasts as well. Um, that the Blue Mountain Range, I've hiked that. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, also, uh, Georgia, right there next door, is number five. Georgia realized a net population gain of just over 5,000 last year. And the state is full of outdoor activities as well. Um, kind of that tropical summer type thing, mid, mild winters, beaches, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, job markets and, and low housing costs and things like that uh, are really the big factor. Tennessee, uh, know of a number of people have, have, have gone there as well. Tourism is the number two industry in Tennessee. They come in at number six and a net gain of, of over 4,500 families in the state. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, you, you see a lot of people like to vacation and things there. Uh, Tennessee's low cost of living, low taxes, expanding job market natural beauty, things like that. Uh, Definitely draw in even retirees, but not just retirees. Number seven, Nevada. Nevada's population grew over 3,100 families last year. Many of the immigrants came from the Pacific Northwest and Southern states um, because of, again, low taxes, low cost of living. Are you seeing, seeing that kind of a theme here? And we go back to the East Coast, Maine for number eight. Many people leave, uh, leaving there, uh, the, the, new, the costly New England states are going to Maine because, again, of low costs. Delaware actually uh, comes in uh, there as well. Low taxes, affordable housing, strong job market. And number 10, Idaho, right next door to the crowded, uh, expensive West Coast states. Uh, Idaho, again, is there because... They have a low cost of living and you say, okay, so you see all 10 states, Republican run states. Wow. You see the theme of these? If you're a blue state, you're losing people. If you're a red state, you're gaining them. Now you may, you may, you may have something entirely. You may say, you know what? I think this is what is, is causing that. And I'd love to hear from that, hear from you on that. And of course you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.